Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Hi, this is Daniel Bryan. You're listening to Countercharge. And I'm Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. And I'm Michael Grodowski. And I'm Ralph Enough, and we're back again with a very exciting episode to talk about the Mantic Vault. What I've done is found three people that I would I, I have identified as well, I think anybody would identify you guys are the heaviest of the heavy 3D printed users, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean to, be fair, to be fair to Param, I, I don't know anybody prints more than him, right? Um, and, and full disclosure, you work for OPR now, so you are definitely heavily invested in the 3D modeling industry, right? Yeah, I'm the uh, production and community manager for One Page Rolls now. And Daniel, I, I, I've been over to your house. You live across the street from my mom. When I walked in your bedroom that one time, it looked like a meth lab. But no, it was just a well-ventilated uh, printing facility. Yeah, I use a, uh, a hydroponics grow tent to create a, uh, a negative pressure chamber for my uh, my printer. So it looks very suspicious from uh, from a distance. That uh... When I first got started, I, I totally freaked out the UPS man because COVID had just started and they'd knock on the door and I'd be like full FEP on and like masks and like holding like tanks of stuff and like not wanting to touch anybody and UPS people just like put the package on my door and back away slowly. Uh, See, so you guys are young and care. I, I'm at a point where I lick the, the resin and stuff. Oh, please do not. <laughs> please do not lick the resin. The resin is super toxic. It's not that bad. Do not drink the forbidden milkshake. It, it's it's not killed me yet. I need to introduce Mike Gradowski because when I met Mike, Mike, was it like 2017 Lone Wolf, maybe? Something like that? It was the first Lone Wolf that they did Kings of War at. You were the very first person I ever met that had a completely 3D printed army and display board. When we met, I think you had, that was like you built your first or second 3D printer? Yeah. Yeah. I believe it was my, uh, might have been my second 3D printer at the time. And I think every time we saw each other since, you would show up and there would be like a new army that you 3D printed and painted. And then one of your friends would also have one of your 3D printed armies that you printed and painted for them. I, I think I think I got the right voices on here to talk about this because, I, you know, if, if one experts, I think we got it. Let's maybe uh, go around and let's do some introductions. Daniel, we can start with you. Maybe just introduce yourself to the Countercharge audience. Um, All right. But uh, I live up in uh, the frozen wastes of uh, Michigan. Um, been playing Kings of War for about two or three years now that um, first got interested in it uh, back in 2019 and uh, then COVID happened so I didn't really get a, a uh, opportunity to play any games until uh, the Michigan GT um, in 2021 I think it was yeah 2021 my first game of Kings of War was was at the GT <laughs> well let's throw it over to Param give us a little I know you've been on the show many many times but give us a refresher course well, I'm Param. If you can tell from the accent, I'm from Kentucky. Uh, I have been 3D printing and playing Kings of War exactly the same amount of time because I started 3D printing because my younger sibling wanted to get into painting miniatures. We picked the game out. Kings of War looked awesome. Third edition had just come out. 
I got a, us a 3D printer because it was the only way on earth I was going to be able to afford to play a war game. And uh, we just sort of dove head first into it. I think I've got nine fully printed, painted armies now uh, for Kings of War specifically, not counting other games I play. Mike, over to you. I'm Mike Grudowski. I've been uh, playing games for 38 years now since I was 11 years old. I've been playing Kings of War since the very release of second edition. And uh, I've been 3D printing since kind of the beginning of 3D printing. You know, I started building my 3D printer before they really had commercial printers available. And uh, it's led me into a couple other hobbies uh, like lasers. Uh, I've built a laser just because I have a 3D printer and I can print the army. So I decided I need to make my own bases. I remember your 3D printed castle display board. Yep. Great stuff. You guys obviously have a lot of experience. And, and let's start with this first question. What printers do you guys use? Uh, right now, I am using three printers primarily and a fourth on their way. I've got a uh, Anycubic Mono uh, 8K as my tiny printer. I've got my Elgu Saturn first generation. That is my workhorse. Um, and, but it is about to get upgraded to the new Saturn 3 Ultra. Uh, and that is a mid-range 10.1-inch printer. And, of course, for my FDM goodness, I've got a pair of Neptunes. Uh, one's a Neptune 2, and the, the other's a Neptune 3. And that also proves that I can't count to three. <laughs> well, you're from Kentucky, so we would expect that. <laughs> Mike, throw it over to you. I have uh, Anycubic uh, Mono 8K. Mm-hmm. I now have two Elegoo Saturns, a Saturn S and a Saturn. Uh, I destroyed one earlier this year and then rebuilt it. It, it, It's surprisingly not hard to find all the parts and rebuild them. So you just have to be able to read Chinese. Let's see here. And I have a Prusa Mark III. Daniel, how about you? Myself, I have a uh, a Mars uh, III for uh, my uh, printer. I know all of you guys have lots of printing experience. So give us your number one tip to somebody getting into 3D printing. Be open to learning because the 3D printing, it's going to become the hobby. Uh, Wargaming is a hobby, but the 3D printing kind of takes over and then the wargaming becomes the excuse for the printing. I'm going to kind of double down a little bit on that because when you first get your printers, you're going to burn those things up and they're going to be constantly running because you're going to have, you feel like you have a deficit and you're going to keep printing until you've printed way too many models that you will never be able to paint because the printer will keep far ahead of what you're able to play with or paint, like not just paint, you will, it will print faster than you can build the armies and play with them. So pace yourself. Daniel, how about you? Myself, I would say um, the first thing is is to, to know to expect uh, dud prints. Like, they happen. It's a thing. Don't don't beat yourself up over it because something came out slightly lopsided the first time around. That uh, a lot of, uh, particularly when you're first learning how to do supports for models and stuff like that, it's a lot of trial and error. And But even then, you still, if you go out and cure those those melted monstrosities you can use those for uh testing uh paint schemes on and that sort of thing they work really well for uh for that sort of stuff well i don't have a printer and i and i've never actually printed you know my my experience is really uh, buying some models and then going into lychee and chopping them up to make a display board and then having my game store print me print me stuff i'm really excited to have your guys's take on this because i don't i don't I don't come at it from 
printing. I've dabbled in, like I said, some of the software to maybe create something that can be printed, but I don't have any experience of the actual, I mean, that's the heavy lifting is actually printing, right? Getting your printer set up and, you know, and learning all those tips and tricks. When it comes to resin printing, especially, which is the version of printing that's most attractive to people who want to print armies, because it's the better option for printing miniatures. And I'll not fight anybody in the parking lot that says the FDM's better. Um, but, uh, one of the things there is it's actually super easy and has gotten a lot easier. These printers have started to become like self-testing the new ones on the, there's new ones out that self level. Not that you even need to level of resin printer more than once every six months. New films are super forgiving. Everybody's doing auto supports lately. Almost everybody. Uh, and like all the stuff is getting test printed. There's, there's super easy calibration tools out there. The, the software we use can now you just, you can just tell it what brand printer you have and resin you chucked into it. And you'll get like community sourced settings that just will work 90% of the time. A lot of the headache and, and worry about getting started into this hobby and, and what we used to say that it's a hobby into itself is kind of been like all those rough edges have been sanded off and they continue to get sanded off. Uh, and heck, if you really want to spend some dough, they've got printers now that will literally print the model and then push it off the build plate into a basket and then print the next model. I, I, I would actually say the hardest part of getting into this hobby is the part that you've dabbled in, Rob, is the software portion of it, is is learning the software to set up the supports and in the slicing and that the printers themselves, like he said, you pretty much plug it in, you level the plate, it self levels, you pour some resin in, you push print and a model comes out, but it's getting it to where it will, it will work on that plate. It, you know, working with the model itself and in the computer to me is where most of the work go it is with 3d printing at this point. There is cleanup afterwards. You do have to clean the resin miniature and everything, but let's face it, you have to snip miniatures off of sprues and stuff. I find that to be no harder than 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 that aspect of, of the wargaming hobby. It's learning software, learning how to do supports. To me, that's where most of the work is. I got a little fun story about a screw-up I did. What I want to do after that, I tell you guys mine give me your worst mistake that you made. So what I did was I was trying to basically make cobblestone, right? For my bases, for my salamander army. And I took a 3d file and I, and I sliced it and I, but what I didn't do was make it thick enough. So when they actually printed every single cobblestone came off individually as, as opposed to a sheet. And, you know, to be fair, I, I, I gave it to my, my, my local store and they printed it for me and he was happy to print it for me. And I got it at home and I'm like, Oh, crap. Because as soon as you start knocking the supports out, all of the cobblestones, and it wasn't like a running bottom pattern, right? It's it's a cobblestone, so it's all over the place. Param, I, I know you've got one of those horror stories in your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, my worst fail was uh, when I just got my Elegy Saturn up and going, and I made the cardinal sin of, you know, cleaning the, the vat, putting the vat, putting the, uh, the vat back in there, and forgetting to put the screws in. And then telling it to do a plate full of miniatures. Come back five hours later to get my brand new miniatures to find the bat still full to the brim with resin. Elevated 
two feet off the build surface, clinging to the plate. And then I'm sitting there panicking, not sure what to do. I reach out there and start to try and like siphon off resin to prevent a mess. That was, was enough to disbalance it. Drops the plate full of resin flat onto the Saturn, splashes everywhere. I basically look like a gray monster from the waist up in toxic goo. That's fantastic. Mike, do you got one of those stories? I would say what he did was pretty common because that's my worst horror story too. Is uh, I forgot <laughs> to do the screws on the on the on the uh, vat and it lifted up, but mine did it overnight and then came off the plate eventually. And I woke up in the morning and there was resin hardened all over the motherboard of the Saturn. Oh no! Ow! Oh, oh that's rough. Daniel, how about you? Nothing nearly so bad so far. I mean, give it time. I think the worst one I've had so far was uh, when I was first uh, trying things other than the, uh, like, Elegoo basic, basic resin. Um, I tried a, uh, a transparent resin the first time without actually looking at how the the resin would have a different cure time to it. Ended up printing a tree herder that was pretty much completely cured on the on the bill plate. Oh, that thing took some chiseling to to get it off the plate, but uh, tree pancake. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's the the worst I've had so far. Now, what I want you guys to do is, I want you guys to educate me a little bit, right? Because I I don't do subscriptions. I mean, my my dabbling into this is, hey guys, I want to do this with the display board. Tell me what terrain to get, right? And somebody points me to the files. I buy the files, but I, I kind of want to. I want to really get into a deep dive here in terms of what does the current industry look like. That sets the stage for, well, what's Manta getting themselves into? Perrin, I'm going to start with you. Obviously, you know this pretty well. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, this disclosure here and, and, and to establish some pedigree, uh, OPR is currently the number one subscription service in the industry uh, by the numbers. And it's a very saturated market at the moment. So Mantic is coming in here, I would say two years too late. Like they still can do a fighting chance, but I really, and I was rooting for them to, to come in earlier because right now it, there are hundreds and hundreds of creators, each of which running various degrees of Patreons now. And also there's been like the STL arms race where as the groups get more successful, they can afford to bring on more sculptors. And like you have groups like Epic Miniatures who are like literally putting out two, 300 miniatures a month for a $15 subscription, uh, which is really hard to compete with when you're a newcomer to the scene, especially I, I feel bad for these like solo artists that are coming on. They really have to distinguish themselves to have like a unique art style. Uh, because it's it's impossible for one or two man teams to like compete with the hundreds of models that the bigger companies are now putting out there for like $10, $15 a month. But that's kind of where we're at right now. Everybody who puts out the monthly model, how it works for anybody who doesn't know, you, you pledge a monthly, you pledge monthly to get that month's release, but you don't get the previous month's release. Those are all bought individually. You usually get a ridiculous discount. Everybody gives a ridiculous, like 50% or more discount uh, to their back catalog if you're a current patron. So it is actually sometimes cheaper if you see like, ooh, I really want this model. It's $20. Oh, I can go get a 50, 75% discount by pledging. And then boom, the total cost is less than if I bought it solo. Um, so that's a trick for saving some money there for every creator. So do the math before you you commit to purchasing individually. But if the most economical way to do it is to see who this month is putting out models that you want 
and get those models at that monthly uh, pledge in because with hundreds of creators constantly turning through all the different possible ideas out there, there the odds that somebody this very month is putting out an entire army or a good chunk of an army that you're interested in printing is very high. Even though you have all the creators out there, as he says, hundreds and hundreds of them, what I look for is more of a niche type market. It, it, it's I'm looking for rank and flank. I'm looking for guys who I can rank up and I'm looking for a subscription that provides units every month, not individual models. I'm not doing D and D or anything like that. And there's a lot of people out there, subscription services providing that there's not as many providing armies with a coherent universal look um, where, you know, the, the same guy sculpted the whole army. So it looks great. And so, and I'll, I'll be honest with you I'll, for, you know, uh, Jefferson is the reason why I don't subscribe to one page rules anymore is I found that their stuff doesn't rank and flank as well. It's really great on the mantic bases, you know, you know where you have all these demand or dynamic poses and stuff, but I'm really into that original look of a bunch of guys, tight formation, rank and flank, like old school Warhammer fantasy style. Yes. Exactly. That that's that's why I grew up loving and I find that there's actually not that many providers out there really doing it. There's a lot of people doing units in fan like Old Hammer and Fantasy is the number one market right now in in selling miniatures. It's you would think it's the B40K but no the sci-fi isn't anywhere near as popular as the fantasy and old hammer stuff. And there's so much more support for old hammer than there is for any other genre of uh, miniatures out there. Now, as for the ones that will actually rank and flank on the base, yeah, that, that list of creators is kind of smaller because everybody wants to kind of go extra with all their poses. So you're, you are right that it's hard to find stuff that'll actually rank up on individual 20 mils. Um, uh, but like there, like uh, you were mentioned in Highlands and, and last sword yep. and stuff are great for that. Well, Highland Miniatures, Last Sword Miniatures, there's some lesser known guys, you know, um, actually, if you look for Ninth Age, you'll find a lot of guys making armies for that because they have no no company or anything like that. So that's a great tip. I know the Ninth Age actually, they actually have a list of here are the, they have some official model ranges, uh, digital model ranges that, that support it. And they, they rank up really nice and stuff. So, but you know, that's my personal preference, but you don't really have that issue with Manic because one of the beautiful things about the Manic game system is you have the reg- you know, the big bases, the whole unit base. So you can have guys in whatever dynamic pose you want. It's just aesthetically, I prefer guys in tight formation, you know, shoulder to shoulder. So Daniel, what are your thoughts on kind of the current landscape? I mean, myself went with, uh, Looking at uh, the the different uh, artists that are out there, myself, I actually kind of go the opposite direction from Mike. I'm looking at where can I find interesting heroes? Where can I find a big monster? Um, things that that uh, will will kind of jump out and be a a lone unit on the table, um, rather than the blocks of troops. Um, however, I do find occasionally um, with with the the units as well. A good example was uh, I was working on my uh, Skelly Spears for Empire of Dust with the the Mantic Sprues. They're great sprues, but they don't have a musician. They don't have a banner. So I went over to OPR, 
went and added in their musician and their uh, banner and, and it fits right in well, or at least it fits in well enough that uh, most people don't notice it or go, Oh, that guy's got a great looking tuba. Where'd you find that? <laughs> Skeleton must toot. Yes. The duding <laughs> must happen. The OPR, uh, um, tomb Kings empire dust, you know, whatever they, you know, the undying dynasty, I believe it might be what one page rules called mummified undead, mummified undead. Uh, there's lots of names out there for that theme. They are fantastic. I own an entire army of them painted up, printed. They, they, those particular models rank up beautifully. So yeah, I, I can't recommend that particular line enough that, that I've printed off, I think three armies of now. And I think my preferences are actually different from either of theirs uh, because I view every single release that I subscribe to as a list of parts because I do a ton of digital kit bashing and almost all the models I I like to print these days have been like completely customized and slapped together from three different creators and some stuff I've sculpted myself on top of that. And uh, so every time I look at uh, a big release, I'm like, Ooh, that's a cool sword. That's a great gauntlet. I love that armor. Yeah. I've got to agree with you on that, that uh, that's one of the things when I'm combing through my, my monthly Patreons is, is it a modular kit? Well, then my, my, my interest definitely peaks on it. I'm like, oh, well. I would agree with that also, is when I'm viewing Patreons and things, my interest goes way up when it's a modular kit. Or if I know the artist, when he attaches the assets to the model, doesn't merge them, so that way I can break them apart and then do what I want with the pieces. So I, I would say that that is like, one of the top things I look for when I'm looking at Patreon or subscription service is can I use those parts in other places? Well, let's talk about some of our favorites and I'll start. What's interesting is obviously I don't have a 3d printer. So I come to it from, well, who are the companies I used to, that used to get, you know, that used to sponsor my events with physical products that have now transitioned because a lot of companies used to make resin models uh, the two big ones that I'll mention, Atlantis Miniatures now is Blue Giant Studios uh, and Lost Kingdom Miniatures. Those folks are awesome. They have, over the years, sponsored lots of my events. They've sent me all kinds of crazy resin stuff to give away. Um, and they have now sub- subsequently uh, transitioned. Now, they were already sculpted. I think all of their sculpts were always digital. It wasn't maybe as hard to transition, unlike maybe some company that was was sculpting in green stuff. Yeah, so those are my two two picks, but I know Param, I, uh, you've got a bunch. What are some of the companies out there that are doing great stuff that you want to uh, shout out? My favorites right now uh, that aren't, that I don't work for are um, Titan Forge and, and or Cyber Forge. That's another one that came from before, right? They used mm-hmm. to make models. They kickstarted a lot of stuff. Just great looking models. I would also say uh, Last Sword Miniatures. They do like, th- their sculpts look like art pieces and they also they very much are aware Kings of War are uh, players are interested, which is why they did a whole set of elves on slightly smaller than usual dragons recently, uh, which is not something that would normally get sculpted. And um, and they also do like basing pieces that are meant for like multi-base uh, construction. So like, like they have like an elf noble leaning over a strategy table and like a, 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 a squire holding up a map to him and stuff like that. And Highland Miniatures and Artisan Guild would probably be my favorite for minis. And for terrain, Ian Lovecraft. I'll say one page rules. I have a ton of their stuff. 
I, I really love it. I, and the amount you get from one page rules, pound for pound, some of the best value out there you will ever find. I mean, you will get basically um, the old games workshop battalion boxes. You will basically get two of those a month from one page rules. Fantastic. For me, last word miniatures kind of low on my list. Hmm. I, I did them for a little bit. I don't like their supports. They don't provide the lychee files or anything for them. So it makes the supports that they send out kind of static and kind of hard to mess with. And as artistic as they are, they have a lot of fiddly little parts that break off. Uh, so um, the ones that I really love, though, Highland Miniatures, as Pram said, and it's for the exact opposite reason, is they provide lychee files. So if there is a problem with the supports, I can easily go in there and fix the supports because not every printer is the same. So that the supports they make might work for their printer, but might not work for mine. But once I print it and I see where it failed, I can go in there and then start adding to the supports in that spot. I'm not starting from scratch. I love that. So the fact that they provide lychee supports and their models are made for playing with. They're, they're exquisite looking, but they're durable. Pieces are thick. Like their weapons are a little thicker than normal. You know, things like that. I, I find that I they're more rugged. I can drop them, that type of stuff. So I, I, I like Highland Miniatures. I like Anvil Rage. That's where I get my, my Star Wars stuff from. And uh, th those, those are the big ones right now for me. I would say it's funny. I looked up Highland Miniatures, very old hammer style, right? Yes. <laughs> They've got some classic looking dwarf berserkers and uh, or slayers, I guess we would call them. If you look, they're also aware of Mantic because they provide like cavalry for their dwarves. You know, uh, some of the weapons are easily in there because Mantic exists. Daniel, same question to you. What are some of your favorites? Uh, Sarley Factory. Um, recently did an expansion to the uh, Ogre line that they did a while ago. Their big deal is kind of a big deal. It's a it's a pretty great set of sculpts they had with that one. Got me uh, looking through my uh, my collection here as it is that um, um, last sort I've done their uh, their elf lines because eventually I'll do some elves that aren't deserty elves again. That uh, Asgard Rising does some that uh, I've yet to actually print any of them, but uh, they're gorgeous sculpts. Um, they they just recently did a uh, bunch of uh, soggy undead that were pretty great. Interesting one that uh, I d discovered a, a short bit ago is uh, Tiny Furniture does a lot of like furniture debris. Um, for them, I got a big collection of dead villagers for, uh, Abyssal's list that I have in mind for, uh, the future of, of having them being, uh, rampaging through a burned out village. TT Combat, who I, uh, I will, will go on for ages about because of their, uh, their desert elves being, uh, my, my absolute favorite models. Just recently started doing STLs as well within the last three or four months. And it's been nice to see their Kickstarters moving into a uh, digital format that uh, I've already ended up picking up a couple of those packs saying, all right, well, I want to get more fear snake people and definitely uh, a couple more bone dragons. Cause you can never have too many bone dragons for me. Another one that's digital. I mean, I'm a huge terrain 
Junkie uh, is one that I picked up for a project uh, from Dark Realms. Um, they make a bunch of things, but they had this like city of Corsairs. It was almost like Indiana Jones style fantasy. I mean, they're just, I, I mean, it's crazy what, what people can do now. Now, Rob, those are all just subscription services. There is another means sure. of getting your models, which are campaigns or Kickstarters. And the main difference with that is with the subscription service, you usually get a unit or two a month and you eventually get all the units for an army. And they usually publish like a roadmap for the next six months with the Kickstarter. You get the entire army all at once and you can get some tremendous deals on some of those. And I could totally see Mantic perhaps in the future kicks, you know, doing a campaign for an entire army that's digital. Cough, cough, Ophidia. That's what, that's what I was thinking. One more thing I should mention, obviously printable scenery, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, we've all, I think everybody here has probably used printable scenery at one point. They make all kinds of crazy terrain. Oh, so yeah. now one thing you hit on Param that I'm dying to get into is competition in this 3D realm that we live mm-hmm. in, right? I, I'm curious, what are people competing on here? Is it is it just cost? I would say is it customer service, but I don't know. I'm not sure what customer service looks like in a when you're digitally providing. I don't. Is it good communication? Maybe is it the quality of the sculpts? Is it the quantity that you have a full range? So maybe you guys maybe riff on a little bit. What are these different companies offering to get your dollars? Well, right now I think that there's two successful formats for the monthly subscription right now, and um, I talk about these a lot on my show. uh, Where I've called them, there is the water hose effect which is like your OPRs, your Titan Forge, your Epics, which are just like, we're going to send a hundred plus models your way every month. And like just every, like just quantity. Now the quality is also usually good on the good ones. Like Heroes Infinite and, and Titan Forge, like just really, really nice models every single month. Um, but you get a billion of them. And then there are what I call the boutiques. These are like your, 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 uh, uh, Twin goddess miniatures, uh, for example, is one I like to point to where it's a smaller creator producing just a smaller group of models each month, but like heavily artistic uh, expression, usually very unique poses. These are great for hero models or, or RPG characters or one off things. They're not they're not usually good for like units and stuff, but like there you, you will look at a boutique miniature creator and you will recognize that that was made by them instantaneously because nobody else sculpts like that. And I assume that's because they maybe have limited amount of sculptors and there's a very cohesive artistic style they've established, maybe? Well, a lot of these are literally one or two man teams right. that okay. are on that side of things. For me, I kind of look at it as there's, to me, there's actually two kinds of, of companies out there. There's ones who are producing miniatures for a purpose, which would be a rule set or a game or another set that just produces a bunch of random stuff that looks gorgeous could be used for a million different things. And I find that because I play games, I'm always drawn to the companies who are making stuff to play a game with like OPR, like Mantic. I I did not realize I needed Armada until I got the vault. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, Oh my God, I got to play Armada. You know, it's, There's a purpose behind it. For me, it's, I could care less if the model looks great if I have no reason to use it. Uh, You know, that, that, that's what I'm looking for. And that's one of the things that OPR provides is they provide a rule, they provide a rule set, a purpose for the model, something I can use it for. 
you know, Mantic, there's something I can use that model for. And, and I think that's, that's one of the things where it's like, I see a lot of different people out there sculpting and stuff, but if I don't have a reason for the model could care less. I got nothing that uh, they haven't already covered on that one. I guess the other thing that I'm curious about is as this industry evolves, are we going to get to a point where distills down to like one common denominator? Is it cheap? Like, are we going to get, are we going to get to that point where we were there a year ago? Oh, so it is like that. So there's already like, this is what we expect. We expect, you know, this level of quality and this level of value. A lot of uh, STL customers accuse the big companies of a race to the bottom to making models as cheap as possible and devaluing the market. Yeah, I, I would say it would be really hard to make the models nicer and cheaper than what they, I mean, pretty much any of the subscription services I belong to now, like Mantic, it's like $3, $4. How can you get it any cheaper? And, and yeah. like OPR, I'm paying literally half a penny a model or something like that. It, it, it It's retarded. It, you can't get it any cheaper or better than where it's at. It, it's I, I think right now it's more about ease of use. It, it's the it's the I don't know, like the Cadillac service type thing. You know, are the models fully supported? Well, everyone does that. Are they fully supported and you provide me with like the late chief file so then I can edit them? You know, that that's I'm that's where I'm at now. It's like I'm so spoiled that it's like I don't care it's supported. I want a file I can do something with, something I can manipulate, something I can use. The, just saying it's supported, okay. So you load it up, you can't manipulate any of the the supports unless you break it apart and then you have to highlight individual that's no, I, I'm tired of that nonsense. Provide me the single file that I can easily go in and start messing with and manipulating, and it's in a format that's usable. And as far as the quality of the sculpts of the models, half of these companies were already created by the best artists in the game industry to begin with, and then the rest of the the bigger ones and the mid-range ones are like competing to hire the very best of the ones that's left. Like It would be like, yeah, maybe GW has like a few... like top tier sculptors that obviously won't compete in the freelance market. But like, if you look at something like uh, arc villain games puts out, like it blows away an age of Sigmar model. How's AI going to mess with this industry? Actually, I've been using it at work. I'm the guy in charge of, of figuring out how AI is going to, we do computer programming. So we're looking at replacing programmers with AI and it does Python. Well, blender uses Python script. And I have found that you can use, um, oh, what's the Google one? Um, Bard. You can use the Bard AI to sculpt you a miniature and Python script that you can then import into Blender and provide you with a miniature. I did that with a Dwarf Warrior uh, last week. So yeah, I, I told it, hey, can you provide me a Dwarf Warrior using the GW art style and 28 millimeter. And and was it perfect? No, but we're talking this is very early stages of AI. It, it's yeah, it's going the way the art portion of it works, it's going to learn very quickly how to provide sculpted 3D models. And it's going to be kind of crazy. We may have to do that as a whole show because you know, obviously AI's impact on creative endeavors is is, is an interesting topic right now. 
Um, but we'll definitely circle back to that because it's, it's something I just thought about. Like literally all these products that their people are making are available digitally. If the computer can get a hold of it and make an amalgamation to your point, uh, Mike, I mean, it's I, I don't know where the I don't know where we end up in the future. Part of the issue we're finding with the art that it's able to produce now is you can't actually copyright it or anything because it's not human made. It's not it's not an original idea. So you have all this art, you have this music being created, but none of it can be copyrighted. It, it's it's a, like a bizarre state because the AI is not a human being. I think, Mike, you were mentioning too. Like, I, I could I can see maybe one of the ways they can improve customer service is just continue to make things easier if that's possible for the end user and i I don't know what that means but i i assume that there's always more things they can do well i can give you an example like we pride ourselves on our customer service and like we have an entire cs team we have an entire team dedicated to supporting uh people learning how to print and setting up the prints and getting successful prints like a 24 7 discord channel where anybody can jump in and get help with their prints anytime they want we've got like a whole moderation team. We've got people that like answering questions and like from things as simple as, Hey, I didn't get my downloads this week to, Hey, this one's got problems. And then we'd be like, Oh yeah, I guess with some printers, you'll have a hard time. We better go increase the supports on that elbow so that that sword is a little bit easier. And like, it's, it's, it's the same sort of customer service that any given shop needs to engage in when you're providing a service, especially a service for a hobby that is, not always going to be intuitive to everybody getting into it. Um, And just because we're selling digital files doesn't mean that we can just like sit back and ignore the emails. Well, let's take a pivot. So we've been talking a lot of companies that are selling digital files, right? And I'm curious, there are some companies, Mantic would be one of them, uh, War Games Atlantic would be another one, that actually do make physical product and in addition now have this digital offering give me a sense of what other companies are out there that are doing this hybrid model well besides mantic and um and uh war games atlantic which are the two that are really prolific actually modifia stepped into that space first and then they further embraced it the more they went on so like fallout uh wasteland warfare elder scrolls skyrim and the various games that they oh and the star trek stuff is like now very fully 3D supported. So you can go download like Captain Kirk and print him right now if you want to um, as well, or just buy it from your local game store. Privateer Press has got a weird hybrid model. I was going to mention them as you want to know a way of not to do it. (laughs) Well, I mean, Privateer Press... I I have to be careful right now what I say on, on about about competitors. I will speak up for you because <laughs> I will speak on this. It's the most retarded thing they've ever done. So they went completely digital on the miniatures, but you have to buy the 3D prints from them. And the the material they're using is not high quality. They're they're cutting corners. So they have all these customer service issues because if you box up one of these resin miniatures, Resin's a little delicate and mail it across the United States or over the world. It's going to get shook up. It's going to break. So it's like they kind of stuck their foot in going digital. But instead of embracing, hey, let's provide the files to our customers so they can print it themselves. They're printing it for their customers. I, I think that that model isn't doomed by itself. Like the concept of like 
using 3D printing as your manufacturing source, as long as you're doing it at a high quality, it, it breaks down a lot of barriers. Like you're able to like, like Australia, our, our friends in Australia always have a historically hard time getting a hold of models and it costs them a fortune. Well, you can just get a print shop established in Australia and then suddenly the shipping costs of getting your models over there becomes zero because you literally just send the files and then print. Or as a consumer, you can just give me the file. This is true, but like if they're not wanting to give the <laughs> it, files, it's, it's, it's an like interesting option. adding a middleman for no reason. <laughs> and I will, I want to also put, kill this myth that 3D printed models are brittle or delicate. They can be, if, yes. depending on what resin you use. Uh, this little wolf model, it's lime green because I color code my resin print so I know what they're made of. This is my Tenacious Blend print. This is my, my go-to miniature stuff. I can bounce this thing off concrete and it will be fine. Because when you put in tenacious and ABS like that stuff becomes invincible, you can take spears and tie them in knots and they won't break and they'll come back straight again. I, I agree, but no matter what you do, it's always going to be a little brittle shipping it around the world, going through FedEx, UPS, getting busted up, getting you know run over by a truck. You know, it, it's not like they're super delicate with the shipping. You know, um, I would also agree with you on don't go cheap on the resin, get, get, <laughs> get at least. ABS quality resin, you know, get, get decent resin is so important when you're printing these models. Even like the quote unquote good resins, like 40 bucks a bottle. And you're still talking pennies on the model uh, yep. on your prints there. Like if you're trying to go super di discount, like I know a friend who was like really into rich opto, which is like a bargain bargain bin pre resin and that stuff. I don't trust my pets around it. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, you got anything to chime in uh, in terms of companies that are dabbling in this space now that still have the bulk of their uh, revenue or their 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 effort, like in the physical space, you know, via selling products via a gaming store? A couple uh, um, that we've uh, already mentioned, not so much that they have a, a, a gaming store footprint, really, at least not one that I've, I've seen um, in any large quantity. Uh, TT Combat. They're part of like Wayland Games, so they own Dystopian Wars, and they own Uncharted mm -hmm. Seas, and they own uh, the old Hawk War games, and the old Spartan games. So they've got a lot of properties. They recently moved um, their fantasy stuff over to uh, Max Mini, who was doing mostly, I believe, 40k conversion pieces, like uh, alternate backpacks and stuff like that. They're they're actually creating physical kits for them now and then also recently switched over and started moving into the the stl market another one that i'm not sure if it's the chicken or the egg the uh heroes infinite raging heroes group um that uh, i i know i originally saw their stuff as as resin kits and they seem to have moved over into to stls afterwards i believe i could have that backwards though no, you've got it right. They started as a boutique uh, physical minis, and then they they started uh, STLs later. What are the upsides for a gaming company that is using a traditional retail model to get into 3D model descriptions? And and I'll preface this by saying my, my theory is that it's a win-win because, you know, it's sort of like if you think back to the MP3 days, the people that were stealing the MP3s, they weren't even customers. They were stealing the MP3s, but they probably were not even going to buy the actual album. And when I think of like a Mantic, I imagine that a lot of the people that are now subscribing to Mantic Vault, they were probably not maybe buying as much of the traditional physical product. They were buying other 3D printed stuff. So it's almost like a win-win in the sense that they're getting money from people they weren't getting money before. 
you look at your music example there is you can still get a lot of MP3s illegally, but the majority of people now use legal sources. You're, you're, you're providing them a means of doing something legally, and people usually will do that. It's like prohibition. You know, every, everyone would go out and drink, you know, and they couldn't, couldn't get it legally. The moment you make it legal, most of the people no longer get the illegal booze. I, I think it's a plus for Mantic in the fact that people who like me who are doing this, I'm willing to spend money on the miniatures. I'm no longer willing to spend money on physical miniatures, plastic miniatures. I want the 3D files. And now that you're providing me a means to it, I will buy those up and I will use Mantic miniatures that way. But, you know, I, I'm not going to go out and buy boxes of miniatures anymore or anything like that. But, I, I I don't think that you're going to have a pro, you know that that's one of the plus sides of it is that they're giving the people the means of purchasing it. It's like the music industry. The moment they gave Apple iTunes out there and, and and things like that, people would then buy the music instead of just downloading it for free. I've got a unique perspective on this one because I've worked in just about every angle of the game industry that there is to work in right now, except being an illustrator. Uh, I've run a game store very successfully. I've I've done the influencer gig. I've done the writing gig. I've done the producing gig. I've done the management gig. I've done the marketing gig. Honestly, unless you are the number one in your industry, meaning you are D&D or you're, you're at that level where your product is literally in every single game store on the planet. And if your name isn't Games Workshop, you're not it. Mantic is not that. I go to nine out of ten game stores. I don't see a Mantic product. If I do, it's usually terrain creep. And so their models are not ubiquitous across the planet. But the second you open it up to STLs, that's a whole worldwide market that can now get your product that literally just didn't have a choice unless they were going to mail order it. That's a good distinction, Perron, that you're making there. Because, you know, I was thinking that there, this Mantic Vault opens it up to new customers that weren't buying their models because they had STL versions of other things. But you also bring up, they physically might not be able to buy the models today. And and even Ronnie mentioned, you know, the situation of like somebody in Uruguay wanted to play Armada. Well, <laughs> you're out of luck. And like, and let's and not to be too mean, but like, especially during COVID, Mandic had a hard time getting product to stores, even when you were willing to order direct from source. Like it was a, it was a rough time getting even them. Suddenly, if you're delivering digitally, that's a lot more stable. And also like you're opening it up to an entirely different audience. Uh, that's not the same audience that would, that would be like your physical only crew. Um, and the crossover exists, but it's smaller than you think it is. And uh, if once you make the investments into getting into 3D printing, it becomes harder to justify physical purchases. I do still buy physical models if they are like, if that's the only way to get that many and it is like above and beyond exactly the one I want, then yeah, I'll go get it physically. But if it's just your skeletons and zombies versus the literally hundreds of variations I can get digitally, um, then I'm going to not go with your skeletons. You got a couple points here that I definitely want to dive into. One of them is that Venn diagram between STL fans uh, and Mantic fans or, or physical gaming fans, right? And I, I really think, and I love you guys' take on this, it doesn't feel like the, the target market that Mantic is shooting for right now. 
uh, is just all of the STL folks. I mean, they're focusing Mantic Games players right now, the ones that are already doing STL files, and that's maybe the first step. For example, folks already playing Kings of War, but are also 3D printing armies. I mean, are you guys seeing it that way? Oh, absolutely. I see it a little different. It's like they're dipping their toe in that field of selling complete armies, and it's with Armada. Yeah, that's a very niche product. So I can see why they would start there. Yeah. And and for like me, I, you know, I at first wasn't going to do the vault or anything. And it's like, I don't want the upgrade parts because if I can't make the whole model, don't really care. You know, some of the upgrade parts are great. I I can get those, but I'm not going to go buy plastic kits and print the parts and glue them together. I want the whole thing in resin. Then the Armada is there. And I'm like, wait, that's that's an entire game system I can play. And they're providing the entire fleets. And pretty soon I go on the Manic website and I see, oh, hey, they got a great deal on the Essentials kit. And so that's, you know, that's what I, I so I can see them dipping their toe into providing entire game system through STLs because they kind of are with Armada. We kind of hit on what are some of the bonuses for a gaming company with a traditional retail model to dabble in this field but there's obviously some downsides to it i'll just call it potential landmines right if you don't do it right heat they could alienate their customers right which would be the gaming store obviously what products they put on there are obviously well curated right and they're trying you know they now have commercial licenses only for people that have brick and mortar operations. There is no online stores that can provide these models. It has to be a brick and mortar store, which, you know, for my store who has dozens of printers, it was great because he didn't want to deal with somebody bringing them the file. Well, do you legally own this? He can now just legally sell them the, the model. So maybe talk to me about this because that's, in my mind, that's a potential landfall. I haven't seen very much negative feedback. Game stores are a stakeholder in this process. So Mantic has to tread lightly. So Param, jump in here. I know you got something to say on this. Oh, I do. And it's not what you want me to say on this one. Uh, I am supporting it because I want to see them continue down this path. But if you're trying to walk this tightrope of, of being super careful about what you do, you're pleasing nobody. You're just upsetting everybody or at least leaving everybody disappointed. What they're offering is very strategic and good opening offerings for some of its very smart choices. Um, but I do think that by not going all in, they're definitely not going to be able to compete with the other people that are all in already in, in the space. Um, like the upgrade parts, it's super cool. But the fact that I can't build a whole half link, it kind of bites. It's like, I'm, what I'm going to have to do is like, yeah, I, I get what exists. I get why it exists. But it's like you've met, you've made the target audience for that particular file and narrowed it down to such a very tiny personal subsection of the market that I wonder if it's single digits, people that have actually used it. Um, and so the Armada stuff, being able to do all that stuff, that's great. But what that also makes me worried about is when I see that they led with all Armada is did Armada fail? Is that the deal? Is like, is this the one they can risk? Well, I think it's older. I, I think, and it, I think it's a safer bet for them. It's two years old. That's not old. I don't know. It's been out for a few years, but they led with the older sculpts too, right? Like we're talking about the orcs and the, and I also think, um, I don't know, Mike, maybe you could talk to this. I mean, it feels like the, I don't print, but I would assume the boats with their flat bottoms would be easier for some people to print. Oh, a- a- absolutely. 
It, yeah, I actually posted in the Manic Vault forum today an article about the new Leche tool, which will make it insanely easy to completely support the flat bottom boats um, with the new tool they have. Back to the brick and mortar stores. Um, Wichita is very interesting because we have two stores here and one is changing their model of how they're doing business and the other one's going in the other direction. We have one store that's basically banned 3D printed armies, which then takes away a growing customer base for them because I also buy paints, I buy rule books, I buy dice, I buy all that stuff, but because I can't play my armies in that store anymore, they're not going to get anything from me. And it's to protect the plastic miniature stuff. The other store has embraced it. He still sells plastic miniatures and everything, but he's also converted it into a cafe. It's a place I can go hang out. I go buy food. I buy snacks. I buy resin there now. I, you know, I, I sell propyl alcohol. He has that on the shelves. He has all the paints. You know, he's embracing both customer bases where the other brick and mortar store is trying to stay to the traditional model and the industry's changed. It's just like the music industry when digital music came out. The industry changed. If you don't change with it, you're going to die. And and that's that's one of the things Mantic needs to do is they need to change with the times. They need to embrace both customer bases. Because you have customers who will never buy a 3D printer like you, Rob, mm-hmm. and who will only buy plastic. And I think that customer base is set. But then you also have a customer base like me who will only buy STL now. I don't want anything to do with plastic boxes anymore. How do you, how do you get into both those customer bases? You provide both. I, I, I think game stores in general are going to have to change how they, how they do their model. There's no game store that I walk into that is upset to see me walk through that door because like the money I saved by switching over to 3D printing is not money that I'm responsibly putting into my savings accounts. Right. It is being spent on every paint range known to man and Kalinsky brushes and terrain because it's a pain to 3D print terrain for me. And you'll find that a lot. Like if you're a 3D printer, you a lot of them skew one way or the other, the, like the FDM bros and the resin bros, they don't. There's there's some people that do both, but it does seem to be like it's two different crowds. And so, like, if you're if you're you should still be if you if you have a game store that you're wanting to support, you need to support them financially. And uh, like I said, they should never be upset that you came through the door, even if you've got a 3D printed army under your arm, because you know that you're going to drop a lot of cash before you leave. It's mostly because of one company in particular, because that particular store is very heavy into GW. And GW pushes the brick and mortar stores to not support 3D printing. They they like specifically talk to the brick and mortar stores about it. The the one store I go to because they support it, he was basically called an idiot by his GW sales rep. They're so against it. And it's like, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you're going to lose the sales in this store calling him an idiot because he's willing to support 3D printers. You know, it. it it's not going to go away. This genie is not getting, you know, not not disappearing. Now that people can print, it's viable, it's cheap. The industry has to change their model. It's really hard to be a game store right now. And if you're trying to pick and choose your customers, you are really shooting yourself in the foot. It's difficult because in the short term, they're making their money from GW and Magic. Mm-hmm. You also have to kind of straddle that line to predict where it's going to go in the future. And in fact, 
we do have an episode coming up in our community building series where we're going to have a couple game store owners talking about, and that's some of the topics we want that we want to touch on. You know, how do you straddle the line to support the creativity uh, of your of your of your customer so that they don't feel stifled? But at the same time, you also got to have paying customers, right? Like at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, Mike, our my corner who owns our local store. I mean, he's got a huge base. What you said, Param, I I I would not want to be a game store owner right now you know how do you ride the wave so that you can end up not being obsolete and like this is where i'm gonna have to take my opr hat off and just be like an informed gamer that's been in the industry for a very long time if you look right now at what magic's doing and what gw's doing and a few other creators are doing is they're very they're hurting everybody's hurting except for everybody's making huge profits but they're squeezing the game stores really really hard And so if I was a game store and I would be very cautious listening to a magic or GW rep telling me how I should run my business right now, especially with like all these harsh allocations and overproductions that we're seeing on the MTG and the fact that you can't hardly get any GW product to begin with, even if you beg, borrow and steal for it. Uh, Maybe think a little bit broader about what your market is. I used to run game stores. I know that this is a rough business. I managed a very successful one for many, many years. It is still open. I just am no longer affiliated with it. So I do know what I'm talking about there. And you need to be very careful who you're listening to. Companies are changing the what you got to spend to get free shipping. The profit margins are changing. Like Asmodee, over the last few years, things have changed a lot. I don't want to own a game store. I want to play at a game store, but I don't want to own a game store. To all of you out there that do own a game store, keep up the good fight. Uh, you know, I'm there to spend money. So uh, it's difficult. And and I do go out of my way to find things to buy at the game store, like the paints, the primers, you know, I, I, I make sure that I get that stuff all local, nothing on Amazon express or anything like that. I, I want to get into the game store, spend what I can, but I'm also not buying the plastics anymore. Daniel, we've been we've been quiet. I was I was thinking of of I'll call it the tale of three game stores in the the Detroit area that that immediately came to mind. One of them has been extremely vocal about the pressure that GW has been putting on them and their growing inconsistency on on delivery versus promised goods and that sort of thing to the point that they're they're pretty much cutting out wargaming in general from the store. Whereas there's a second store about two, three miles down the road from from the first one. However, it completely embraces Wargaming to the point that they're phasing out the Magic the Gathering side to a certain degree. Like, they still have stuff there, but they're they're far, like, 75% of their store is, is, is Warhammer space. But of the them... The one I go to is the third one, which has several taps and a full bar. And if I'm going to play someplace, I enjoy someplace where I can actually go and have a drink and, and be able to, to socialize while I'm doing my gaming. Technically, I guess it's a tale of four hobby shops because there is a, a fourth major one in the Detroit area that is that has no gaming space whatsoever. That one is the Michigan Toy Soldier Company. You can guess what they specialize in. They're who I go to for Klinsky brushes, paint pots, chipping paints, um, all sorts of, of weird technical stuff. Um, because that's all they do is is that those neat uh, technical doodads and whatnot. 
I mean, honestly, game stores are what are called classical third spaces, which are, which is the idea that your first place is your home and your second place is your work and your third space is where you go to hang out. And those are things like public parks, libraries, movie theaters, malls, and game stores are the nerd's favorite third space. Uh, And traditionally, like retail and small business marketing, uh, small business market is where the game store existed, but the writing has been on the wall for small businesses, especially small retail businesses that are supported by multi-billion dollar companies, that their lifespan is measured in fewer than you can count on your fingers and toes at this point because the market's consolidating. Uh, Nobody, all the major companies, GW included, are wanting to be direct to consumer. They don't want a middleman between their profits and their customers. So the ones that I'm seeing that are successful are embracing community. They are they're doing the bar setup. They're they're focusing on things that you can't easily or do not want to easily shop for online. You need to adjust that expectation. And I expect like 30 years from now in in the US at least, the US market, there's going to be like a game store or something you're going to see as a rarity in a major city and they're going to be few and far between. And the local tabletop spaces are going to be game bars and and private clubs like we see in Europe, because I do not think the small business running your own local game store market is going to be a viable market going forward, even under the best of intentions. And 3D printing has nothing to do with that. So one of the other questions I have for you guys, uh, getting back to Mantic and, and the Mantic Vault, most of the big players in the industry seem to be using a common platform like Patreon, right? Mm-hmm. And Mantic has chosen a different route, which is we're going to, they're going to use or have used their existing ecosystem uh, for Mantic games and the companion. And the pros obviously are, you're not paying the middleman. I mean, I know what Patreon's probably, I, I mean, Kickstarter's whatever, 10%. So I assume, you know, Patreon's taking a cut. They use Patreon for the collection of money. But it's the distribution of files that matters. And some of them you have to, you only have that one month window to download them and then that's it. The ones I prefer are the ones that partner with my mini factory where they deliver them to my my mini library. So I have a central depository of where I can go get my files, which isn't that dissimilar to what Mantic's doing with their website. I, I appreciate the fact that I can log into the Mantic website look at my catalog, download what I want. I stay away from the Patreons that don't provide a place to go and get my repository. I I don't want to have to download everything every month in fear that my hard drive dies and then I lose everything. Patreon is is just because it's accessible to the smaller businesses when they're coming up. Um, Mantic has its own payment source and, and, and file system that they've already well established. They, they did the smart thing. The bigger companies are all switching to doing something similar to that or or making exclusive signing on deals. Uh, and the ones, the bigger ones that are on Patreon are just because that's where they started. Like Patreon, there's nothing sacred about that platform. But even the bigger ones like uh, One Page Rules, the way you get the files usually though, is through a, a digital depository like oh, my yeah, yeah. mini factory. You have to do that. You like if you if n- no ifs ands or buts. Find you have to find a way to provide a digital library, or don't even bother getting into this market. Being on something like a Patreon, it's like Kickstarter, right? Like it, it's kind of like this public forum. I mean, by not being on a Patreon, though, are are, are Mantic missing out of potential customers, right? Because that's what we talked a little bit before. Like it's it's a closed ecosystem, right? But I don't know. Uh, the Patreon doesn't provide much discoverability. They only really 
give you news about what you're already signed up for. Like you, they, they don't advertise stuff that is related. I don't go to Patreon. And they say, Hey, I see you like Highland miniatures. Do you want to t- check out twin crow miniatures? They don't do that. Okay. It's actually pretty hard to find Patreons on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Most of the Patreons I find that I follow, I have found on Facebook or Twitter or, or my mini factory. I my see mini what factory, new models yes. show up. I go, Ooh, who made that? Ooh, I yes. like it. Subscribe. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I don't know that they're losing out anything by not doing Patreon. If they're losing out on anything, it would be not by not providing like a, my mini factory interface yeah that's the big part that's the that is the town market for stls they're the fact that they're not there is what's hurting them right and i think that's that's common their ecosystem is going to be the the delivery system for the the subscription model uh but my mini factory will be a place where you can buy one-off models that's that's the smart way and if you want the 40k customer base for any reason because they do manic does do sci-fi cults cults is where 40k yeah but cult is also where the flat pirate flag flies high. So I don't know that I would want to be there as Mantic. <laughs> That's very, but you know, uh, part of that is because um, cults, I believe is a French company and GW is a British company. And so the French courts are kind of being protective of cults on the copyright stuff. So GW's having some issues with getting cults to enforce copyright laws. So that, that pirate flag flies really high over on cults, but that is where the 40 K crowd is. I should be very specific about what I mean by that, but is that uh, there's lots of creators. Like let's look at Cyberforge. They produce models that are very obviously meant to be proxies for 40 K armies. <laughs> uh, every single month, but they are unique artistic creations that are yes. very much proxies. They are not one-to-one copy of a GW model. You go over the cults and you will find somebody that very meticulously copied every single rivet on a rhino one for one perfectly. And that's what you'll find there. Or you, even worse in the old hammer space, I see people that have like access to dental scanners for some reason, and they will literally 3d scan the original gw model and upload that uh so when i say the pirate flag flies high i mean it literally i'm not saying that everybody who makes a proxy for a gw model or a mantic model because there are mantic proxies out there that are made specifically for mantic products but they're not pirates because it's a unique artistic creation when i say a pirate flag flies high i mean it is a one-to-one copy I wonder if we get back to that MP3 metaphor or, or the, the music subscription model. How do you combat piracy? You, you make it so it's easy and cheap and no one, no one's going to bother. I mean, if it's $4 a month, I, I don't, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah, I'm going to pay legally. It's not worth my time. I don't know. What do you, what do you, I mean, obviously you guys have an interesting perspective on this. You do what you say. You just make it affordable, cheap and qual- good quality. I'd prefer to buy a model knowing that, it's going to be possibly supported correctly that it's in the style. I like I actually prefer that over free models. When you look at the 40 K side of things, there's a lot of options out there that are one-to-one copies, but I like the pay ones where it's not a one-to-one copy, but not necessarily because it's not a one-to-one copy. It's because I know the quality's there and I'm going to get, get, the results I want. So I would say, yes, the way you fight the piracy is just provide good quality, cheap 
make it to where it's like stupid to even who cares it's it's like mantic four dollars a month yeah i'm going to do the mantic vault every month (laughs) for the rest of my life interesting you guys said about cult 3d though because mantic did take their their two first free models uh, and they are available on cults 3d maybe just to test the waters i assume maybe when you open the file there's information about where the model is from there's a couple things going on there there are two different forms of piracy when it comes to the 3d printed market there are the people that make one-to-one copies of models manually or scan models and there are people that literally just take the files that they get from companies and then put them out on places like tele secret telegram channels and or sometimes they just blatantly upload them to Thingiverse, um, or or sell them or sell prints illegally on Etsy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, when they don't have licenses, and those are two different things to deal with. One you deal with with C and D letters, and the other ones you deal with with much more angry C and D letters. But ultimately, it's a convenience problem. Like you provide the, it's, I, for most of these services, like at the price you're paying at the subscription end, it would be maddening to understand why you would even bother searching out sketchy pirate versions of these things when five bucks will get you like whatever. Yeah. I would say the big thing though, is Mantic needs to get on my mini factory. That's, that's where I would want them. That's yeah. like the Walmart of the STL world. That's where people will see them and go, ooh, what's that? It's for Kings of War. What's Kings of War? And that's where the market is. And and Kings of War is a game that the 3D printers love already. And they right. play it a lot. And it has a lot of support there. Yeah, I know it's coming. My mini factory support. I, th- I think because my mini factory, I think there's some contracts that have to be signed or something to get it on there. But I would expect it to come. This is a great question for you guys. People that are looking to support the vault. What are realistic expectations that they should come to the vault with? For now, I think you think of the vault. You come to the vault if you're a Kings of War player or Arnamada player or, you know, one of the other Mantic game player. And you want the occasional surprise bonus to your 3D print model uh, collection. It is not a reliable primary source for anything except for Armada at the moment. And they're going to run out of boats real soon. As Perm was saying there, I think expectation should be that you're going to get maybe one, maybe two bigger units in the thing. Not not even bigger unit, but like a bigger model. Something that's currently metal or resin or what have you. And then littler things like the customizable kits to go and, and adjust the uh, the plastic kits of future for it. I mean, expecting Hellstrikers every month, I think that's a bit, bit of a high bar. But it was a good opener for them. But I think having like a hero or two or something like that, and and then maybe some stuff from the secondary games, like some new heroes for Overdrive. Maybe they they go with a uh, a slow release for a faction At somewhere. I hear Brian Novak shouting, "Go Rebs!" <laughs> right, Rebels would be a a, a good option because it's difficult to make in hard plastic because they have all the different races, right? So what do you put on the sprue? Yeah, that I mean, just doing a, a diverse range of things for that and. That sort of thing. I think that could be the the long term from that of seeing a handful of things rather than expecting a half a fleet every month. As far as expectations go for someone who doesn't have a lot of printing experience or someone who just bought a printer, don't expect to be able just to load the file, even if it's pre-supported, and push print. You may have to work a little bit on it. You might have to work on those those supports a little bit based on the dynamics of your printer. How tight is your FIP? How how quickly is your Z axis going up and down? The, you know those type of things. There 
you may have a fail or two. And don't let it destroy you, but don't also expect, oh, well, I pushed print and it didn't work. Well, this must be a horrible product. I suggest for anybody getting into the 3D printing, serious suggestion right now. Find Atlas Support Solutions Discord channel, jump on there, subscribe for a month, or just buy a model from one of the companies that they do supports for, and then try to print that model, and then have them run you through setting up your printer, because they will one-on-one get your printer tuned perfect. And then from that day forward, you know exactly what you're doing. It's good advice. What expectations did you guys have going into the vault for the first time? Daniel, kick us off. Honestly, I was I was shocked by that first month. I was like, wow, they are they are throwing in everything on on that first month. That uh, uh, I think this month is, was was a lot more reasonable. I think that's it looked a lot more sustainable this month. I've got to say, I've been impressed at, with the quality of the STLs on it. That um, I've printed five i think hell strikers at this point and they look solid and more importantly that i think mantic has been doing a good job with actually listening to feedback and actually improving on on what's out there for it um adding in supports fixing some of the models that uh i know one of my first hell striker prints the legs looked attached they definitely weren't attached the torso fell into the the vat about halfway through the print and i had uh, some some frames and some legs and some scraping to do on the F or the, the FEP on at that point. But, uh, but since then they've gone in, they fixed that stuff. And I think they're, they're moving along very quickly on, on adapting for it. I found that I, I found that they, I got what I kind of expected from Mantic's offering on here. Uh, it does definitely feel like they're being overly cautious. Um, what they are offering by being cautious, they're making very smart moves. The Hell Strikers and the, uh, the the airship for the halflings, the was, aeronauts, yeah, the aeronauts was expensive resin, expensive choices. resin kits, yeah, and, and more, much more complicated to build in resin than to, than just to print one out yourself. A lot less pieces. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those are perfect. Throwing in the the add-on sprues is just a great way to get that out there because that probably would not have made a lot of sense financially to provide that any other way. And the Armada stuff is great because Armada is a fun game. And that's a way to get there. And I, I, I worry that I worry that this is just going to be like Mantic's discount bin going forward. If this isn't super successful for them, if it's super successful for them, I hope that they like fully embrace it and come on and be like, who wants an entire army or an entire unit every month? But, you know, we're not there. The support thing they had, I, they, they did, they missed by not being fully supported right off the bat. And I'm glad that they're they're stepping up. They're doing it great. And I don't mean I think that I'm very happy with what they're doing. I'm acknowledging where they've misstepped and I have high hopes for where they go from here. And I think it's super important that if you are 3D printing or a fan of 3D printing and a fan of any Mantic games, you really need to show up right now and prove to them that this isn't a waste of their time. From what I understand, the, the numbers, the subscriber numbers is way above what they were expecting. That's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. Mike, you want to chime in here? What were your, what were your expectations going in? I actually had no expectations. I had no idea what this was going to be like. I was kind of blown away a little bit. I did find a whole game system I didn't know that I even wanted, you know, with Armada. Loving it. Gotten totally into it. I think that's one thing that they need to learn is that they could provide game systems like that and just provide the luxury portion of it, the mat, the cards, the dice, 
they don't have to always have the miniatures. You know, you can provide that digitally. Um, I, I was pretty impressed. Um, I, what I what I hope they continue to do is what I do actually like is something Daniel touched on is that the miniatures that they had in resin, you could print in parts. And I know a lot of people who are into 3D printing don't print in parts because what you said, Rob, they like to... Easier to build. I actually find it better to print in parts. It's easier to hide the support contacts, you know, because you can put under a shoulder pad or an arm. You actually speed up the entire print process because everything becomes lower. So you don't have as many layers because everything's on the same layer. So you cut the print print time in half, usually by printing parts. And I, I, I prefer to actually print in parts and then assemble afterwards. Get on a few things there. You know, they, they did make the switch to digital sculpting a few years ago. And so all those products are potentially available, but obviously there's a lot of stuff in their back catalog that was sculpted in green stuff. And like even Ronnie mentioned on the show, the old dungeon saga stuff, no, that can never come to the Mantic vault. Cause they don't have digital files for it. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's ways around it with like a 3D scan. Yeah, I mean, there's probably ways around it. At that point, just re-sculpt it. Well, and that's, they have a new Dungeon Saga Origins, right? Coming out that it's, they'll just, you know, they'll have the new miles. It's interesting too, in terms of the quality, I did see someone that took an Armada Phoenix and blew it up to 300% and they sculpted <laughs> it at a full size, right? And all they did was shrink it down. When they blew it up, like the detail is still there. So I was like, wow, okay, that's cool. That was one of the things that the first... Uh, that was actually my, my first successfully printed uh, 3D model was uh, I was talking earlier about the uh, the disaster of the the tree herder that was uh, in clear resin that uh, cured on the build plate. Um, what I was doing at the time was I was actually dialing in to, to scale what was originally a 25 millimeter model to be a tree herder, something six inches tall, and... That, that's part of the, 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 the real joy in, in the 3D printing is that you can have that option to, to look at something and go, well, what would happen if I did this with it and get some interesting results from it? And the reverse is true. You could take those uh, hell strikers and scale them down for many 10 millimeter kings. Oh, yeah. The, the 10, 15 millimeter crowd uh, have got to be, be giddy at, at this. Or Armada. Oh, yeah, Armada. If we're talking predictions here, they totally just need to do a space combat game. And just have the files 3D printed. You know, something they, they've talked about, they are still in that traditional retail model where they are, they have shelf space at some stores. It's like, well, you you don't get GW space. <laughs> you get, you know, three feet or whatever it is. And there's just only so much space, you know, and if you're, to be fair, if you're stocking Kings of War, there's not a lot of room for everything else. Maybe there's an opportunity for them to uh, find whole games that they could go this route. Or Dan, Daniel, you mentioned, I mean, Make an Ophidian army and make it a test army for 3D printed, right? Because there's lots of Mantic fans that like the way Luigi sculpts and wants that aesthetic that's consistent with other things. That's the big thing for me is regardless of how the model is created, whether it's part plastic or 3D printed, I want my army to look the same. I want it to look like it came from the same creative force. And that's the big thing. And, and even you could argue even between armies, the newer stuff, there is a an artistic interpretic. There's all artistic design for the entire range. There's certainly opportunities there. What do you guys think are some possible future products 
Well, I, I've put some thought into this and things that they can use this for is they have a worldwide campaign coming up. Why not create some individual characters that are in that campaign? Provide the STLs to everyone. You can print off the character for the campaign or even units, mm-hmm. entire units for the campaign. You know, that that type of thing I would like to see them, you know, potentially do. As far as like a, a new starter box set, you already provide the rules for free. Maybe provide some small armies for free. Maybe Unipose guys or something that are real easy to paint and print. And, oh, well, here's the rules and the miniatures to play the game system. That sure is a great idea. <laughs> I mean, how, how can you not do that? I mean, it's it's like, dear God, you're, you're already providing a rule system. Go ahead, uh, Extra Mile, provide like 10, 20 models that they can push around the table to play as an example. You know, there, there's there's a lot of things they could do. How about models that they provide to the winners of GTs? You get a coupon code at the GT after you win that. You can then go download the model and print it. The only way to get it is through that GT season or through that tournament season. And speaking of coupon codes and stuff, they could totally support stores and tournaments by providing coupon codes for the Companion and the Vault. Say you get three months of the vault and companion for free for just attending this event, you know, or there's a lot of things they could really do to push and support the game with this and support their retailers with this. I think we're going to see a lot of this providing an outlet for models that just do not make financial sense to go into mass production or even resin production. So like a lot of the armies that we complain about, they just like, they don't even have half their list or like they only have Mm -hmm. like a third of their list, even available at Mantic. This is a good way for a lot of those ones that just are not anytime soon in the next few years going to get new plastic kits uh, to finally get some of their pieces. A lot of the unique heroes and stuff, this makes a lot of sense for that sort of stuff. And I, I do hope that eventually they get braver and go with like, you know, full support for the, all of their games. I would love to be able to get Dead Zone this way because I sure as heck can't get it in my local store. But but until then, this is a great way for them to just like put stuff out in the market that would just never be released if they didn't have, an, if this wasn't an option. And, and speaking of that is they can get the army sculpted, release it STL, Use the monthly subscriptions to help pay for the tooling to make those digital sculpts into plastic kits later. I know that's what Wargame Atlantic is doing is they're kind of using the digital as like a figuring out what's popular enough to go into mass production. Yeah, and they're another one that does a lot of Kickstarters too, right? Like I know they have the, the damned Kickstarter right now for some hard plastic. Yeah, that started as a digital kit, and it Did was it really? so popular as a digital kit that they're producing it physically as a Kickstarter. Let's face it, there is a certain player percentage of the player base that will never buy resin 3d printer and models like rob you'll always want the plastic but why don't you use the the digital side to help you know instead of waiting three years to sculpt the army and produce it if luigi has time go ahead and produce the army release it in stl use those revenues to help pay for the plastic kits for rob something that uh popped into my head that uh I could see them integrating with, say, uh, Clash of Kings in a, in a year or two, something similar to the old uh, Dogs of War system for uh, Warhammer. Have some sort of weird unit for that you print out over a couple of months that gives the a little bit of uh, that little slice of, of Panathor lore and start Im- implementing rules. For, since allies seem to be a bit too much, 
having a, a one-off unit might be be a safer uh, safer bet for that. This is another one that's be great here is kind of like the big show, which is a very special thing or Ronnie the Bard. A lot of these digital sculptors, because they're able to very quickly spit out these models by sculpting them, do do custom models for prominent members of the community. Uh, so you could easily see a Rob miniature big deal. Nobody wants that on the table, Param. Nobody. There's three different Params that now exist out there in STL format. You bring up a very good point. When you're 3D sculpting, making alternate poses is not that difficult. But if your end game is to make a physical product, there's limited. You're limited what you can you actually would do. But if you know that it's a uh, a hybrid model where some of them are going to make it into a plastic sprue, but some are just, you know, and the others can just be there digitally to augment. So you could have the same sculpt, right? And in, in both plastic 3D printed resin, lots of great ideas. Let's talk about the pricing for what you're paying. Is it right? Yes, it's stupidly cheap. If you are a companion subscriber and you got the early bird discount, I think it's $4 a month, if I recall correctly. If I'm, Am I right on that? Yeah, it's insane. It's it, this is crazy. They they way underpriced this. This should be at least ten dollars a month. I, I just want you to know, Rob, that when I die, I'm gifting that account to my son for the four dollars a month. <laughs> <laughs> Legacy support. It's uh, keep keeping keeping it alive. Over the last few years, they are making the move to digital stuff. This is stuff they have been talking about for a long time. Even in the second edition Kickstarter, there was there was a some talk of actually funding an app to have rules and stuff. And so we're starting to see some of those long-term dreams materialize now where, look, I liked Easy Army. It worked fine. But Companion is like a whole other level of usefulness with the rule index and stuff all right there. So I, I, I'm a big fan. The The Companion is one of the best things they've ever done. And I didn't subscribe to it until they had the vault. And I didn't realize how good it was. All I know is GW is struggling with that. With mm-hmm. like, there's like all kinds of creator content out there right now complaining about the GW apps and the lack of support with their apps. And they're now releasing 10th Age and they don't even have an army builder at this point to build army list for their new edition. And like a lot of other games that aren't Kings of War uh, have these really great software. I know Conquest does. I know, I know OPR. We have a wonderful app. You have to have an app. You have to have an app. It needs to be free and or or cheap enough. If you're uh, Kings, uh, I like that Kings because it's model agnostic. I don't mind giving them money for rules and app. Right. But if I'm buying your models, your app better be free. If I'm paying you 40 bucks for a pack of orcs, you, I'm not paying you five more bucks for the to use those orcs. I agree with that sentiment. The whole reason why I'm willing to spend the money on the, the companion app is because it is model as agnostic. I'm not tied to just their models whatever although if they provide models through stl i will print a mantic army what the mantic vault does is the people that like you mike that i don't want a physical model right i don't want to buy plastic i want to 3d print everything but hey if you legally give me your models digitally i'm going to print them all day long so i will play with official mantic armies as long as it's digital daniel you said it earlier i mean i i'm i'm chomping at the bit for them to try Let's make an army, whatever that is. That could be the ultimate slow grow league or army build is they release a unit a month and everyone prints it, posts it, paints it. You'll have episodes over it. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? 
we've talked about this several times. They also, you know, Param, you mentioned they have armies they have models missing for, right? No. That don't make sense. A commandant, someone I keep bringing up. They got some armies that don't have any models. Yeah, you're right. There are some armies that don't have any models. But the ones that are only like one or two models away, give me those last two, especially like a commandant. I assume it'll be a big, expensive resin kit because a lot of their salamander are big resin expensive kits you can still do that you can still make a resin model and i'll happily buy it i'm excited about the options here uh, about how this can be used to augment distribution of stuff that's maybe slower to get to us via the traditional resale model to have depth horrors depth horrors would be another one this is also the same timing that they're they're, they're trying to eliminate pvc which i'm raising my hand up here i, I hate pvc yep. i understand the logic for it you know, they, they board games, I, I get it. You want to get things to, to, to market fast. It's cheap. But from a modeling perspective where I'm going to spend some hours on these models, cost of the model is less important to me. I want a good sculpt. I don't want a lot of mold lines. The fact that they're moving away from PVC is a good thing. It also means they, they got to keep pushing out the stuff to the vault too, because as they're knocking off some of this PVC, you know, they've had to do things like get rid of Huskarls and it's now a, a, an upgrade to the tribesman unit. Lots of opportunity here, guys. You know, Rob, is on top of the subscription fee, if they provided digital format units, I'd pay box value for it. You know, I, I'd put down $30, $40 for a box, you know, a digital box set of skeletons or something on top of my subscription fee. That's a great idea. I mean, they have lots of opportunities. They just have to look at the data and make sure they're making the right moves. And we, we mentioned a few times, they got to get some of their stuff on my mini factory to get more visibility to the people outside of the mantic sphere of influence so that you can get more customers one of the criticisms people sometimes level is man they do too much stuff they're on kickstarter too much well you know what this kickstarter worms game that's about to come out that's not chump change as i mentioned a lot of your patreons and stuff do campaigns on top of your monthly subscription where you you go do a kickstarter for actually the ogre army that uh, daniel mentioned earlier the northern ogres from zarley factory yeah that's a good example of that is they have a monthly subscription fee, but to get that army, you had to do the Kickstarter. I see it a lot with like older releases too, where like, Hey, you missed out because you only get, you only get the models they made that month. And if you wanted like all the cool lizard men that lost kingdom made like years ago, like sometimes they'll do like a Kickstarter where it's like, Hey, get the whole lizard man army for 80 bucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen that on uh, my mini factory with their uh, campaign system there a lot. Uh, that's actually how I, for uh, Tiny Furniture, how I got all of the uh, the heap of corpses that they uh, they have STLs for. They redid those for, I think it was like $40, and you got the equivalent of a couple hundred dollars worth of of individual sets from it. Yeah, I, I would say I, I agree with Jefferson, is that my biggest fear is that they're half- way going with this go all the way in stop messing around provide what you know everyone wants provide the units the whole kit not just the arms for the ratman give me the ratman to go with the arms let me make my own ratman that, that that's what i would say they need to do final thoughts param what do you got i'm just really i, I want to just put leave on the note of positivity that i think that despite any any criticisms I had, I'm really glad to see Mantic moving in this direction. And I do think that the community really should, if you're, if you're, if you're not shown up for it and you do 3d printing and you play these games show up, you can, you can afford the $4 and the more people that show up, the better this is going to be. 
you, you know, even at full price, not with the early bird discount and stuff, still next to nothing. Support it. I am actually in love with Armada. Never even knew about the game until recently, until I signed up for Vault. Started downloading files. I was like, oh, hey, that looks kind of cool. Printed a couple off, and then I'm realizing I need to play this. I need to play this game. This is so I'm now in the process of, of printing like three fleets for me and my friends. And we're, we're all, you know, we got the kits, the, the dice, the tokens, and everything to play. The only thing that upsets me a little bit about it is I really wish they sold the cards. I, I know you're going to be able to print the cards off. Coming to Companion at some point. Yeah. But even that, I'm, a, I'm at a stage in my life where I want luxury, <laughs> I want high gloss nice cards that's that's the stuff they need to focus on producing is that portion of it let let the plastics work their way out but know that it's the luxury part that they can focus on provide the stls pop out some plastics every so often and provide the luxury gaming experience that everyone that's old let's face it most of the people who play these games are old want dan what do you think as they mentioned already that I think it's a great deal, like a a stupidly good deal that, uh, that they've been making a lot of right moves out of the gate and where they've misstepped, they've been been quick to to correct. I'm excited to see what they have, have down the road. I'm hoping to see, cause I remember, uh, I think it was back in January, Ronnie had mentioned that, uh, he was uh, a little disappointed that, uh, the plastic kits don't come with the command or command models even though they don't do anything just having those around those are the sort of things i could see popping up in the vault that would be be great that um i hate to say it that uh those opr uh uh musician and bannersmen that i have on my my spearmen i'd be yanking them off the base and uh sticking semantic ones down if uh if they uh, had them as an option for it interesting time there's a lot of opportunity here is there anybody else coming behind mantic GW? Are they going to do this at some point? Asthma Day? What do you think? The last one going to be doing it is GW. They'll be the very last horse across. They're going to be kicking and stre- screaming because they don't want to pivot. Like they, 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 they've proven over the years that they don't like to adjust their business strategy for any reason on any front at all, unless they are absolutely forced to. So I expect they'll be dead last. But yeah, everybody else will be there in ten years. Yeah, if and it'll literally be GW standing alone as the physical only producer. I, I don't know that it'll even be 10 years. I'm guessing more around five. The market's going to move so quick because there's, as, as you said at the beginning of the show, there's just so many options out there. And as, as the younger generation get, get comes up, which is the future of gaming, like my son, they're so used to 3D printing. You know, they've been doing it since elementary school. The worst thing is, though, is like, I'm glad Mantic got in now. Uh, I wish they'd gotten in earlier. But the companies that are holding out and keep holding out, they're going to, f- if if they hold out too long, they're going to find out that there's no more room for them because the, the space has been filled by people that had embraced it early or by people that were in the space like like OPR. Like, we've grown to be one of the biggest war games in the market now from starting as a a dis- digitally distributed thing. Interesting times. And I'm excited about the future. Uh, guys, before we get out of here, give a plug, Param, you got a podcast. Let's, let's hear where, where we can, we, where can we find you at? 
if you want to keep hearing my uh, my accent rant about 3D printing and all the cool things that it does, I have a podcast called the Printer Games Podcast, where we talk about 3D printing and gaming. And I'm assuming you can get it on everybody's favorite podcast feeds. Oh, yeah. You get, it's on iTunes, Spotify, your favorite app, Google, Amazon, printergamespodcast.com if you want to go to the website and on all the socials. Mike, how can people find you? Are you on the social? You're on, you're on Facebook, I think. Uh, barely. <laughs> I'm not really into the social media. I, I have an account I'm on Facebook, and that's about it. I think I see you post every once in a while in the Mantic Vault. Yes, I, I I do post on the Mantic Vault every so often because they ask people to post there. So I've been posting snippets of my Ramada ships. But that's, uh, that's about the extent of my digital life. And Daniel, how about you? Usually uh, lurking on the uh, the Kings of War Facebook groups and uh, the Countercharge group. Um, otherwise, yeah, you can usually just pretty much find me in my office painting models. Um, uh, as for plugs, I would say uh, uh, Gatekeeper Games down in Berkeley. I mentioned earlier that uh, last time I was there, they had a uh, bee nectar mead and uh, a peanut butter stout on tap, mm. which uh, goes great with uh, Kings of War. And we should also plug the Michigan GT coming up in October of this year in Lansing, Michigan. Great event. It's going to be well attended this the, year. Uh, Motor City Mayhem um, a couple weeks ago. That was our first foray with that. Kyle uh, got that put together in, in record speed. I think Kyle Ritchie weeks. Mm-hmm. already has plans in mind for, uh, for doing it next year and uh, building it a little bigger that uh, I think we had, I think we had eight or 10 people for, uh, for the tournament yeah next year we're going to try to go and get some of the guys from ohio and indy to to be able to join us and start reaching out for that one as well hey rob i have a question for you as a gt organizer mm-hmm. how do you feel about providing 3d printed miniatures as price support i don't know many people that provide files but i know that like uh at many events like bug eater tim lonis they they print up they print up models uh, as prize support. I think it's just the next step, right? I mean, if you think about it, prize support for Mantic it can be a digital coupon to buying physical product in their store. Well, it could just as easily be a, a digital model, right? I mean, I yeah. don't think yeah, you know, I think that's the next iteration that you'll see more and more of that. Well, guys, thank you very much for joining me. It's uh been a been a quite an epic adventure, and I'm I'm interested to hear you know what the listeners takes are so we'll have this posted up and uh, please if you have comments for any of these great esteemed guests please jump on that post on the counter church facebook page and uh, tell us what you think are we wrong we right i'm excited to have a discussion because i think at the end of the day one of the things that's great about the mantic community is even when we, we disagree we still want a great game we still want a great community a, a game for everybody accessible i guess is the big thing honestly this is the greatest war game i've ever played and i played a lot of them but this is the one that that i wish i had 10 years ago or 15 years well i did have it 10 years ago but 20 years ago when i was you know in the in the gw sphere of influence i would have loved to have a community around kings of war and uh, we got to keep bringing more disciples till then uh keep countercharging. thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on countercharge Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod 
and is licensed under Creative Commons.